Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Blue Wire. Hey listeners, it's your host Sarah Todd here. Before we get into this episode of Unsalvageable, I wanted to apologize for the delay in it coming out and not having an episode out in a while. Life happens. And I know that some of the info on this will seem a little bit outdated because it was recorded more than a week ago, but it's still a great conversation with Bleacher Report's Dan Favalli, and I really want you guys to hear it. Greg and I will be back on track recording regularly this week. I hope you guys enjoy the show. Well, okay, so this is not going to be recorded. This is off the record. But, sure. Um, off the record, but on the recording. That's a flex. You trust your editing skills. <laughs> she edits the podcast herself. So. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, are you guys ready? As I'm going to be. I'm ready. Great. Three, two, one. Welcome to Unsalvageable, a Utah jazz podcast, part of the Blue Wire Podcast Network with me, Sarah Todd, jazz beat reporter for the Deseret News, and as always, my co-host, Greg Foster. Greg, we have a very, very special guest today, so let's waste no time, get him in here. He's way, more, more, way, way more important than I am, so. More important than you, just below Victor, that's what we'll say. <laughs> It's Dan Favalli. He's from Bleacher Report. He covers the NBA. He's the uh, Hardwood Knox podcast host with Adam Fromel. And you guys should be following him. If you're not following him, great follow. Does great stuff over at Bleacher Report. Dan, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate the low bar for special guests. That's, that's my bread and butter. We, if, we have nothing but low bars here at Unsalvageable. <laughs> That's I'm just here so I don't get fined. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we're, we're we barely, barely just just make par every every week, and sometimes not even that. That's my kind of podcast. That's the that's the mantra we live by at Hardwood Knox. So this is perfect. Just before recording, uh, news broke that Joe Ingles has entered the health and safety protocol, and so we'd be remiss if we didn't mention. Joe Ingles being the Jazz's first player to enter health and safety protocol. They were the last holdout of the league after I think more than 200 players and coaches and staff had entered the health and safety protocol. The Jazz were the last. Um, I think that's probably going to change when they test to go into Canada here in a couple of days. So um, it was bound to happen, but here we are. And it was, it's old Joe that did it. COVID-19. COVID-19. <laughs> So the, the assumption is just going to be that there is going to be a bunch of positive tests before they're, they're heading into Canada. I have personal uh, distrust in some of the rapid tests because basically every single person that I know in my life that has had COVID tested negative on a rapid test before then testing positive on a PCR. And so I'm, I'm just very wary of those now. 
and literally I don't know. Getting, I'm getting a PCR test tomorrow. I tested, yeah. I tested negative, but I feel like dog. So, you know, better safe than sorry. Wasn't there something going around? Hopefully this isn't disinformation by accident, but that like the, the at home tests or the quick tests aren't necessarily suitable for the Omicron variant to detect it, which would be I, kind I did of, not sort hear of a big that. deal. Given how much I would be around. a very big deal. Oh, I, I hope that this is just fake news on Unsalvageable. I don't know where I saw that. Maybe I was told. See, it's I'm already this was bad. Fake news Todd strikes again. I'm famous for that. <laughs> I mean, I guess that the Jazz are lucky in the sense that once they start getting players into health and safety protocol, that they're the team that gets it basically when the protocol has been shortened. And so hopefully if they stay abs asymptomatic and they're able to kind of get over the Omicron variant, which seems to be leaving people's system faster, then it won't affect them maybe as much as it affected other teams. That's probably going to piss off other teams. Um, I mentioned that earlier in the season that as these rules evolve throughout the season, other teams are probably going to get upset, you know, right. with games being yeah. postponed and the hardship contracts and how that's all going to evolve. It's, it's bound to piss someone off. Draymond's already pissed. So when is Draymond happy though? Oh, actually wholesome content on Christmas day, uh, Christmas Eve, they were flying, I think to Phoenix because they played it. Is that correct? Was that mm -hmm. the Christmas day game? Yeah. And uh, he did an interview after the game and he said that they were flying out Christmas Eve. They just done uh, Christmas at home with the family and he was helping his kid like put together some sort of like Fisher Price toy that he'd gotten or something. And as he was about to leave, his, his son started crying. And so he calls Steve Kerr and he's like, I can't leave the kid. He's sobbing on Christmas. Like, and he's like, is there a, is there a spot on the plane? And Steve Kerr was like, yeah, bring him. He can go to Phoenix. Don't worry about it. Uh, so that made dream on happy wholesome content. That's that's adorable. Yeah. That's great. But if he has a problem with like the league's actual setup, there's a player's union that he could go to. <laughs> There's I I'm still amazed at how the whole thing is just I have only complaints and no solutions, but I do think uh, a lot of people seem more concerned about like the players safety and everything that's happening than the actual players do. And like the hardships, exception, the hardship exceptions for me, they're so cringe because they're like these glorified temp workers who don't have the same level of like people have spun it as look at this opportunity but you're, you're like riding the back of these glorified temp workers to keep the league going. And that's my bigger issue more than like any competitive advantage. They're basketball Uber drivers. <laughs> <laughs> it, and the, the weird thing is, yeah, the whole, like, look at the opportunity they're getting. Sure. Maybe in 1% of all of the hardship contracts, it's actually going to turn into something for one of these guys, but the other ones, like, I mean, I bet you if behind closed doors and off of a microphone, if you asked any of these head coaches while they're sitting at home and having their second or third assistant coach coach a team, that's basically G league call-ups and hardship players. They're not looking at the opportunity. They're like, yeah, our team is not getting prepared for the postseason. <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's wild. Like, teams are being forced to basically just, like, punt large chunks of their season. Like, look what's going on in Minnesota right now. And, like, the Nets went through it, and the Cavaliers have gone through it. And, like, just this, this, this cavalcade, this laundry list of teams that are just like, mm, sucks to suck. 
I just, I don't know. It's like, it's just, it's, it's mind boggling to me. And I understand why, like the show must go on. You're not just going to shut things down. You got to make that money. You got to fill up seats, but it's just, it's mind boggling to me that like, we can't look at the like overall landscape of this and be like, I don't know, maybe we, we hit the pause button for a minute and let people get healthy, especially when like the NBA just a few seasons ago, set the precedent on how to deal and how to play with this virus. Like, it's just such, it's just, it's such a startling contrast from where they started to where they're at now. And like, I don't know where we go, but it's, it just seems so incredibly unfair is ultimately what I'm getting at. Yeah. And I don't even, I don't even think a shutdown would do anything. I think if anything, it would have made things worse because what do they think these players are going to do if they're away from the team? And so I don't know that there's an answer, but I do think it took the fact that like the extra testing wasn't in place already. Right. And it was just conveniently scheduled for after Christmas. It felt like that should have been in place from the get go. And they probably should have, I don't want people to be isolated. I wouldn't be in, you know, if I'm a player, no, I wouldn't be in favor of another bubble, but there probably should be, whether you're vaccinated or not, like more restrictions when you're on the road or something to try and prevent this. And just, I didn't even know. I just assumed that testing was at a comparative level to where it was last season until that Woj report came out a few weeks ago. And it's like, Mm -hmm. what are we doing here? If you're trying to, I get you need to operate amid this and that a shutdown doesn't fix anything. Well, why was it just, Oh, COVID's in the rear view. Basically. I, I, there are so many puzzling things that the NBA has done. I think they could have handled a lot of stuff better, even as they were trying to go about businesses as usual. Yeah. I think Dan, I'm with you in that I have a lot of complaints and no solutions at all. Like I have, I have no answers for what the league should do. It just feels like, I mean, it honestly, it just feels like uh, societal failure has set a nice precedent for the NBA. I love it folks. <laughs> That's like, what they bank on at this point though. Right. They fancy themselves like this self-aware bastion of professional sports, but they're able to get away with so much because at the end of the day you say oh it's a business they're going to act like a business and i do think it's fair though if the nba wants to be like the the capital of woke in professional sports to hold them to a higher standard that they have failed to meet a bunch throughout this um but i i also think the, the more realistic thing is we just have to view it as oh they actually are a business and they're only the stuff that they've done where it makes them seem self-aware liberal whatever progressive whatever you want to see it it's been very much born from convenience or just a lot of empty handed gestures. So it's, I'm still surprised that people get surprised when the NBA acts the way it does, but I'm also like the NBA has tried to peddle itself as one thing. So it should be fair to hold them to a higher standard. I just don't think they are the, the entity that so many people think they are when it comes to looking at just like progressive stance stances and, and actual care beyond the the bottom line of the league. Yeah. And the bottom line is capital. Yeah. I'm just so, or I'm just, I'm a little confused that like putting group economics on the back of a jersey didn't work. The, Educational the, reform was the most powerful one, clearly. In the the performative nature of the league, in a moment where it had a chance to do something incredibly like substantial and actually strike and take money out of the pockets of billionaires and like make a make a real dent and then for them to instead have things like educational reform on a jersey i'm never gonna forget that i will say it probably did spare us had they made any real gesture or like the players been like been on strike or anything 
I would have shuddered to have had Kyle Kuzma's Twitter show up in my timeline and oh my God. Had, that been, had that actually happened. So at least we evaded that. If I'm going to be the, the rose colored <laughs> optimist here. Okay. We love, the, a, we love a silver lining. <laughs> the last thing that I want to do is even get near a conversation where I have to like tear my hair out talking about Kyle Kuzma. And so I'm going to switch gears. <laughs> I will say um, like, it's, it's a pretty neck and neck uh, race between him and Andrew Bogut for just like the dumbest to graduate from my college oh from your alma mater that's rough yeah <laughs> university of utah folks that education is paying off i had to finally unfollow andrew bogut it got to be uh too much you mean andrew bigot <laughs> oh, i was able to unfollow him basically almost i don't think it was as soon as he retired but if they're no longer in the nba i don't feel an obligation to follow them anymore yeah i think it was his Infowars appearance Oh man. Uh, just really, really tough stuff from one of the original bogeys. <laughs> you know what, Greg, there was a second piece of news, but I think that we'll just mention that we know about it. Hold off on it because I don't think that Dan really wants to talk about Mieoni. Um, but Mieoni, <laughs> no longer a member of the Utah Jazz, he's the first. Uh, casualty of the impending trade deadline he is sent to um, basketball purgatory over in Oklahoma City where he becomes a true asset in the most truest sense of that word well well wishes for him in his in his rap career (laughs) (laughs) I will say though I'm very excited for cash considerations for the jazz I mean, that guy has been around the league. He's a veteran um, <laughs> and has proven his worth time and time again. So Wait, can we celebrate the luxury tax savings here? They save like three million bucks. Yeah. Or Four million bucks off their luxury tax bill. Uh, three million bucks to, to Ryan Qualtrick Smith. What is that? Uh, apparently it's important. I do. It is fascinating that they made this move now because it's two open roster spots, which does make me think like, are they going to futz and fiddle with, weird signings from here on out, or are they preparing to do something bigger at the trade deadline? Because they are, they're super interested. Just that move to me, not, not the move itself, but like clearing that roster spot is, I don't know. It makes me think like, Oh, are they actually going to do something here? But I guess they do have also the King of almost is also employed by this organization now. So maybe we'll hear a lot of what the jazz could have done and then didn't leading into the trade deadline. The second roster spot is absolutely the most interesting part of this because, and listen, I'll just say, Mie is a great kid and I love him. He's always been very nice to me and I do wish him well in his rap career. So he might actually get to play too. Cause they didn't wave him. So yeah, OKC just has minutes to go around. So maybe he he'll plays. get, he'll get offensive boards. Yeah, Sam it. Presti has to be pissed that they're not worse. Like they've won real games. So he's got to be like getting ready to shut down Shea Gilgis Alexander for the rest of the year or something. I mean, he's, they're already limiting Lou Dort's minutes. Yeah, like this guy tries too hard. On defense. Yeah, he's too yeah. he's too good. We can't have this. That's the you know, worst how part. Do, how for do me. we how do we clone Derek Favors? Is ultimately what I'm saying. <laughs> That's the worst part for me. Is like the best part of going to Oklahoma City would be to like learn from Lou Dort, and Lou Dort being like them being worried about Lou Dort actually winning games for them. He, he just limits what Mie is going to be able to learn. Poor Mie. Well, maybe Lou Dort just be his coach from the sidelines. Maybe it actually helps him out a little bit. Dude, I love Lou Dort so much. Hashtag free Lou Dort. 
I, someone, I can't remember who, I, I think it might have been David Brandon on Twitter, described Lou Dort as a Mack truck made up of a bunch of smaller Mack trucks. And I just can't get that image or descriptor out of my head because it feels so spot on. That <laughs> well, is Hemingway-esque. Here on, here on Unsalvageable, we subscribe to the the belief that a thick and jacked basketball player is the best kind of basketball player. And Lou Dort is at the top of the list of a thick and jacked player. He's a perennial thick Jack King. Yeah. Thick Jack King. We stand a thick Jack King. He's right up there with Semi Ojale um, mm. and RIP to Jarrell Brantley, who's now playing in, in Russia. Like, yeah, I mean, there so is not, they need a thick jacked player then. I mean, yeah, it's going to be great when they trade for Marcus smart, it's going to happen and they're going to win the title. And then, and we're all going to celebrate and get beers afterwards. That's the thing is that that second, that second roster spot leads me to believe that, you know, the rumors that we're hearing about what the jazz are willing to dangle out there to try to bring in a wing defender is, is not just all talk and, you know, just where there's smoke, there is fire. And so I think that they are bound to make a pretty substantial move. And I mean, substantial kind of the jazz haven't made a ton of substantial moves in the last few years. I mean, they bring in Boyan, they bring in Mike Conley, but those all came at like very low risk moves. Like they didn't have to really give up anything. They gave up Derek favors, but like he was already washed by the time that they did that. And so I, I think that I think that we're looking we're about to see somebody actually get moved. Big, big watch this space energy. I also wondered if it was like I just couldn't identify a player that a team would be willing to give away. They still have, don't they have like 7.5 million left on the favors trade exception? So that extra roster spot helps them out in that yeah. scenario. But those trades are just like all these trade exceptions are created and used, but they're also always like the moves include actual other players. It's rarely ever a team just takes a player from another team without some other moving part involved, but they have the roster spots now to, to find their thick jacked King and, and absorb him into the Derek favors trade exception. If, if he makes 7.6 million or less or whatever it is. Oh, I just love hearing other people say thick Jack King. It's so nice. <laughs> I do have to shout out with weird Celtics Twitter. Cause they were the ones who came up with that. And I kind of just yes. uh, copy pasted it. Whatever. We took it. It's fine. We it's stole it. I'm now. fine being a thief. It's fine. You yeah, just hat cool. them. So it's not even stealing now. You credit. Yeah. Great artist steal. Let's let's check around some of the other teams in the league and talk about them. First of all, one of our favorite teams to watch. Coolest team in the league, bar none. The Memphis Grizzlies are are so much fun. John Morant honestly surprises me I thought that he was going to get better but I didn't think that he's just so much fun to watch that's a fun he's putting, he's putting up 25 6 and 7 like <laughs> that's an awesome LeBron season I just I appreciate his that his half ponytail looks better than anyone else that has ever donned a half ponytail including myself I appreciate that he is not a thick Jack King. Our guy is scrawny as far as NBA players go. And he just is brutalizing dudes. The fact that he is breaking guys down in such regular fashion. And as often, I, I love to watch it. We love to see it. Dan, what do you think about the Grizz? 
they're I am like in year three or year four of just saying the Grizzlies aren't going to make the playoffs and they're going to make the playoffs now. So I'm just woefully wrong on them all the time. He is like one of the three or five most electrifying players to watch. And I think what I like most about his game is it's unpredictability because it's like, you know, Russell Westbrook is trying to murder someone when he gets going downhill, but with Ja, it's like when he leaves his feet, is he putting up a floater? Is he trying to dunk? Is he going to pass? He's shooting so well from three now, even though it's not in high volume. So he's become like this every level threat. And I just, I don't know what he's going to do. And it's just watching that. I love that unpredictability, that uncertainty as a viewer of not knowing what he's going to do. And uh, I think even just like on defense to see him try, he's still really bad, but like he still tries and to see the Grizzlies just defend, they're really ferocious on that end of the floor too. We've seen they don't give when, up at all. No. Like, at when, any point of the game, they are relentless. Yeah. And it's just like these, like D'Anthony Melton, everyone knows how hard he plays. And like Tyus Jones will come in when John Morant was injured or he was out and he's just mucking possessions up. That team is, you know, I wouldn't, I can't, I think myself, I'll get, I'll be a romantic and be like, this team could do something in the playoffs. And the reality is no, they can't. But they're not a team that you're going to they're, – they're like first team. You don't want to face them in the first round of the playoffs or at all in the playoffs because they'll make you feel a six- or seven-game loss right now. They remind me of where the Jazz were a couple years ago when the Jazz had Ricky Rubio and Jay Crowder, like that version of the Jazz that were like – everybody knew they weren't like a re- legitimate title contender. But going into the playoffs, you knew like you were going to absolutely get into a war with them. And like they, the way they play, it's like the way that Ricky Hatton used to box where it was like, yeah, there are like, there are some flaws there and they can ultimately get knocked out. But like all 12 rounds, it's just going to be, it's just going to be a brutal war. And like, they're, they're so fun to watch. And like, I'm forever going to be bitter that the jazz drafted as over Desmond Bain, because he's so good. And you, you mentioned D'Anthony uh, Melton um, and Tyus Jones and triple J is starting to like, we're starting to see his potential actually like come to fruition. And like, yeah, you yeah, can like actually just, defend awesome. without fouling without fouling now. Yeah. And like, he's just that, that like prototypical new age, big man who can step out and can, you know, guard all five positions can shoot from three. The jazz learned that at home and yeah, they're just, they're, they're awesome. And they're super fun to watch. And I don't know if there's a player I enjoy watching more in the league than John Morant. I think Steph Curry still tops it for me, but sorry, Sarah. he's up, I, he's, I he's John up, Morant's there. up there. Yeah. It's interesting to me because if you look at that team, it's and like I think they they're a little bit scarier than maybe the Jazz team that you were comparing them to because like they beat Steph in the play-in last year. Like people people are gonna forget that like in the annals of history, but like they they are a scary team and like day by day they get scarier because Ja is that good and it's it's such a weird conglomeration of players. The fact that like Dylan Brooks is like their big time diva is <laughs> like that. That's what we're dealing with. We're like Dylan Brooks is the guy wearing sunglasses indoors, you know, like it's, it's such a weird thing. The fact that they're in Memphis, I feel like it fits everything so well. Um, I like that. They're like one of the only teams in the league that doesn't complain to the refs that doesn't complain to the refs all game long that 
it, it makes it watching their games a lot better. And uh, I talked to Triple J about that uh, early in the season, and it's a point of pride. It's something they talked about, like, let's not be one of the teams that people will watch, and then they're going to complain about us not getting back on D because we're talking to the refs. Let's talk to him during the timeouts. And it's like, why aren't all the teams doing this? <laughs> um, and the Jazz could we really Bogdanovich. <laughs> it's Rudy Gobert. <laughs> Pretty much every player on Dallas, maybe, too. Yeah. Yeah. Like every every team has a problem with that, and just I, every year it pisses me off so much more. And so it's probably just proof and evidence that I'm becoming like an old man, like screaming, "Get off my lawn!" That like every year I get more angry about people complaining to the refs. When has it worked? When has that ever done anything to for anyone? Except get them in technical. Yeah, I mean, I guess the, I'm assuming the thought process is. It makes the ref aware for next time. I really just think it's, aside from ego, I really do think there are players that do it as like, I was going to take this possession off on defense anyway, so I'm just going to super take <laughs> it off. There's going to be a study about the, the active rest that players get by arguing with referees or something down the line. Nate Silver is finally going to uh, earn that paycheck. Speaking of players that uh, are taking plays off, no, I'm just joking. Um, <laughs> I want to get I didn't to know we're talking about Julius Randle on this podcast, but here for it. <laughs> I, I want to get to uh, I want to talk about the Bulls in a minute, but I do want to get to the Houston Rockets and talk about how the implosion of like Shams and Woj tweets that we got the other night. That was fun. What <laughs> like th- that at halftime, there's such a horrible conversation in the locker room that people are throwing things at each other and then leaving the arena not to return for the second half like didn't they already know that they were bad maybe you don't expect to get criticism from the coaches if you're supposed to be bad i don't yeah there that's such a bizarre story like kevin porter jr has had his like issues dating back to to cleveland of course but like the christian wood like his body language has been all over the place this year. And then he refuses to, he doesn't start because he broke a team rule. I don't even know if we know what that team rule was. And then he refuses to go back in the game, basically in the second half. Uh, it's weird. This team was on like one of the longest winning streaks in the league too, less than a month yeah. ago, whatever it was. They've been, somebody just free Eric Gordon. Get my guy out of there because that's just, it seems like a very toxic workplace for a veteran. It's a toxic workplace. I, I like don't understand why they're so mad. Like I, Poor free Steven Silas, because that poor guy <laughs> looked like he was going to cry during every media availability last season when everything was virtual. And it just made me sad to watch him have to talk about how bad things were all the time. And now he's like watching. This is what everything has become like that poor guy has never gotten a chance to actually coach an NBA team. I feel bad for him. Yeah, I just want to see Rockets games on Bravo. <laughs> please please um enough rockets they're bad they they know they're bad and um they're also mad about it i guess we've only got a few minutes left with dan here and i want to get his take on the chicago Bulls. and like legitimately my question is does demar derozan deserve to be in the mvp conversation and if so how high I think tangentially, like top five, for sure. I don't know how you put him ahead of a 
Steph or a Kevin Durant or even a Giannis right now, a Jokic especially. But the fact that he's there, I mean, this might be the best season of, of his career. And I think every, most people, especially myself, were just so wrong about these Bulls. Even as their defense has trailed off, they're a lot better defensively than I thought they were. And he's brought a steadiness to their offense in crunch time just in general. I think it's helped Zach Levine a ton. He's quietly been just like, he should, they should probably both the Rose and Levine be all-star starters in the East. And I think the question with this team, aside from, can they make a move for a wing of the deadline is we've seen DeRozan struggle in the playoffs. Those have been fair criticisms. Mm -hmm. What happens when your offense is so tethered to his thriving? What happens when you enter the playoffs this year? Because Zach Levine's great and they have other options, but like DeMar DeRozan got to play with Kyle Lowry too in Toronto. So I, I think those concerns are still there, but you talk about obliterating expectations. Chicago is just annihilating them at the moment. I mean, there were times in San Antonio I thought, like, is this guy going to retire in the next couple of years? Because he, like, and it, it wasn't, like, because of a lack of talent. It just seemed like, you know, he didn't care all that much. You know, and granted, this is just the eye test. But, like, to see this resurgence, it's been fun. The Bulls are a fun team to watch. Like, I think Lonzo Ball has had a bit of a resurgence being there. Um, you know, I, I still... I'm blown away that the the Lakers just gave away Alex Caruso, who's probably going to make a first team all all defense this year. Like he's been spectacular, and like, yeah, I still have questions about like Vooch and if they need another another wing. But like, yeah, they're good, and I think I had them as like the seventh or eighth best team in the the East this year, and it's going to be a big healthy portion of crow I'm going to eat come uh, come playoff time. Yeah, I had them. I picked you had them seventh or eighth. I had them to play the play in in the Eastern Conference. I might have had them 11th, to be honest with you. Like, I, I was <laughs> yeah. so far off on the Bulls. I just, I didn't see the DeRozan Levine pairing uh, working the way it was. I thought that they were kind of similar players and would, you know, I, I, I kind of felt like there was only, only one ball. And I've been just, super wrong about it. I just thought they were going to, because DeRozan's having one of the best seasons of his career, but he's still been like a good offensive player for so long. I thought this defense was going to be atrocious. Yeah. And they've been like, from the point of attacking, just having Caruso, Javante Green, who's injured now, Alonzo Ball. Like they've been able to do a lot of stuff, even with DeRozan and Levine on the court at the same time that I just, and having Vooch on the floor too, I was just like, oh, they will be a bottom five defensive team. And they've been yeah. hyper aggressive and, and really good at it. Um, Dan, we've got about five minutes left here. I think we'd probably be remiss if I didn't ask you from sort of a national perspective, what the, the, what the view and the thoughts are on the jazz right now. I think we almost touched upon it when we were talking about that blockbuster Oni trade, uh, is that, (laughs) (laughs) is there going to be another move that sort of elevates them to the same level as Phoenix, Milwaukee, and um, Golden State. And I will say they could do nothing, though. And I don't think they should. I think they're at the point where it's like, find someone who could be the eighth or ninth guy, be a part of your closing lineup in important games. You are that good that you need to take that swing now. Realistically, though, if they do nothing, to me, there are four or five teams that can win the championship right now, and they are among them. It's Brooklyn, Milwaukee, and then the three teams out west and Golden State, Phoenix, and Utah. Their offense is just thermonuclear. Donovan Mitchell's offensive game is... There are still, I guess you could quibble about some of his like passing decisions, but he's just like one of the most dangerous, well-rounded scorers in the league. He's, at this he's point. gotten so good. And like, he's elevated his game every single year and he's done it again this season. Like he's, 
you're right in that he's not like a super dynamic playmaker, but he's still, he's a better playmaker than he was last season. I think that it's along really with being help- a better, just a better overall score. I think that it's really helpful to hear some of these like, you know, general praising ideas about the jazz for jazz fans, because um, I mean, after any, any win or loss on a nightly basis, they're like, Jordan Clarkson is terrible. Boyan Bogdanovich is terrible. Donovan Mitchell isn't, isn't even a star in this league. Like, what are we going to like? It's the sky is falling every day. And so, you know, I think that they need to realize that like, even on a national landscape, like people are looking at them and they're like, even if they stand pat, like they still could have a chance. And I don't think they're going to stand pat. So I think they're, they're making the swing to try to actually run, run for a title this year. And they, as they should, because they are like, you have Rudy Gobert and Donovan Mitchell. Now, like you have two top 15 players now, whatever they are. And you know, Donovan Mitchell, I think it's going to be between him and John Morant for that final starter spot in the West all-star, but he'll be an all-star no matter what, because he's been absolutely incredible. I just, I hope they make that move. I'm curious what it will be. And I'm curious who will give up, who they'll give up. Excuse me. I just wrote about this. It's really hard to, there's like all these different stances that it should be Ingles, but he's probably at the absolute bottom of his value. Given that his contract expires, he's older. This season's been up and down. He's playing better for a minute. Wasn't playing better. So, you know, so for recently after that, um, should it be Clarkson? Um, some people think he's like too important. And this is probably the wrong podcast to suggest that on uh, based off the <laughs> bio, but it should it be him just because they need someone who can defend. And that's just not what Clarkson does. And their offense is so good that I don't know that you need Clarkson. I've even, you know, you mentioned people being unhappy with Boyan Bogdanovich. Like this dude is averaging over 17 on 62 plus true shooting. Let's not overthink this, but is he expendable to them? So there are a bunch of different things they could do. I, I hope though that they make the bigger swing at the deadline, whatever that entails. Yeah. I, uh, I said uh, on the podcast before this one, that it feels like the jazz are kind of in that like 2004 Pistons mode before they got Rashid Wallace. And like, they're missing that Rashid Wallace kind of guy that just galvanizes and solidifies that roster and really fully makes them a title team. I'm both Sarah and I said, like, we don't necessarily know who that guy is. Is it a Marcus smart? Is it Jeremy grand? You know, I think Zach Lowe said floated a deal of like Joe Ingles and picks for Harrison Barnes and like, but it just, it just seems like they're just one piece away. Like somebody who can, who can rebound, who can guard at the point of attack, who can, who can just bring that, that element of defensive dynamism that they don't have uh, and if they can get him, then I think that, you know, they really are like a true, true blue contender uh, as they stand right now. I, I don't think they are. I think they have a puncher's chance, but I don't think it's a very good chance. I think that's fair. I think they're like a, it could be even a player as good or a little bit worse as, than Josh Richardson. And I think that would come close if not actually put them over the top. Like that's how close they are. Yeah. Greg, you and I will continue the conversation. My Zoom is going to kick us off here, so that's why we have to stop. Um, Dan, thank you so, so much for coming on. We really appreciate it. Uh, Appreciate you coming on late also after the Joe Ingles COVID news broke. So um, where can people find you? Uh, They can just follow all my nonsense on Twitter, at Dan Favalli, at F-A-V-A-L-E. Thank you guys so much for having me. This was a blast. Yeah, Thanks, thanks a lot. 
for everyone else. Rate, review, subscribe, download. You know what to do. Do all of the things. And we will talk to you next time.